So I have a for the record this week. On our last episode, I made a flippant comment about how I am able to do some of my fueling activities because I don't sleep. And I just wanted to make it clear that this is not by choice. It is because my children do not sleep. Therefore, I do not sleep. (laughs) I guess Evan has begun sleeping through the night in the last year. So yay, five to six years old. He started sleeping through the night. Um, And then Avery still is kind of hit or miss. Like sometimes she will, sometimes she won't. She's had a cough. So for like the last couple of weeks, kept her up a little bit so anyway the silver lining is that because i am up at you know five in the morning usually i'm able to do some creative work but just for the record i do not advocate sacrificing sleep for creative time or anything else it is so foundational and i suffer the consequences regularly by being a space cadet right if you were able to sleep more you would up to 100 yes (laughs) conclude for the record yes Welcome to Semi Together, a podcast about having some of your life together all of the time. It's about working on where you want to get it together while giving yourself credit for where you've got it together. I'm Malia Dicker, and I'm in Jackson, Mississippi. And I'm her sister, Jillian Burgess, and I live in Barcelona, Spain. In today's episode, we are going to talk about a topic everyone just loves discussing, shame. So (laughs) I know you're very excited about this, but really, please keep listening. It'll be good. We promise. We make excellent party guests because our favorite topic, shame. Shame. I know. It's weird. No one invites me to parties anymore. Well, first, a couple of announcements. We talked in the last episode about launching our first workbook, How to Make Time for What Fuels You, which we are super excited about. Yay! It is designed to help you figure out what fuels you and how to intentionally make time for it. So we linked to it from the show notes in our last episode, and we now have a direct link as well. It is subscribepage.com slash fuel. And we also want to thank a new Patreon sponsor, Catherine McGuire. Thank you so much for becoming a patron. We really love you. You're the best. Yes. So you can become a supporter of the podcast and unlock bonuses and extras at patreon.com slash semi together. So now we will get right into today's topic the shame file. (laughs) And the reason it's on our radar is because I recently mentioned to Jill that I have a note on my phone in Google Keep called the shame file. (laughs) Yes, I have listed out the things that I beat myself up over, especially in the middle of the night. I think it's amazing that you actually have something called the shame file. I have like a mental (laughs) shame file, but I've never thought about actually putting a physical real one (laughs) into a document. It's funny to look at my Google Keep because I have like our list for Target and the grocery store and then I have the shame file right like Amazon (laughs) things I need to buy and you know things to feel bad about oh yes (laughs) just for quick reference you know right right there on the phone just in case you forget any you know make sure you put it all in one place we are also huge fans of Brene Brown and her research on shame and vulnerability yes she is amazing oh my gosh she is one of my icons and her books include Daring Greatly and The Gifts of Imperfection and one we are going to read together Jill and I and some friends is called Dare to Lead very excited Yes. We also love her awesome cameo in the movie Wine Country. Oh, it's so I, great. My head almost exploded when I saw her and her real life friends, by the way. Oh, I love that so much. It's so yes. great. Like Amy Poehler and her, you know, friends in the movie geeking out about seeing Brene Brown in real life at a And a asking her like specific questions like from her research and books. And <laughs> she's like, boundaries, it was, boundaries. Yeah. <laughs> it was the best. And you can get a great overview of Brene Brown's work by watching her listening to Shame TED Talk and a short clip from Oprah's Life Class on how to stop a shame spiral. And we will link to both of those in the show notes. 
So we will give you a rundown of Brown's research on shame and then talk about how shame shows up in our own lives and what we can do about it. So we hope this helps you identify your own shame triggers and begin to free yourself of them. Yes. So this is going to be a positive process. Everyone stick with us. It's (laughs) worth it. (laughs) So first of all, what is shame and how does it look? So Brown says that shame is the intensely painful feeling or experience of believing we are flawed and therefore unworthy of acceptance and belonging. And shame can be about things that you've done or you haven't done that fell short of your expectations. And it can be about your personal characteristics or life circumstances or a trauma that happened to you. Yeah, anything that you feel like you're keeping secret and sort of in the back of your mind and you're like worried that if someone found this out about you, they would think differently of you and usually worse. Right. She says that shame drives two big tapes, never good enough. And if you can talk it out of that one, who do you think you are? Yeah, this sounds very familiar oh, to yeah. me. Oh, yeah. I'm like, <laughs> I have those tapes all the time. <laughs> the voice of my inner critic is very strong and plays this constantly. Mm-hmm. So she goes on to say that shame for women is this web of unattainable, conflicting, competing expectations about who we're supposed to be. And it's a straitjacket. Yes, I think that's such a good description. It really ties into the, you know, trying to have it all narrative that just sets women up for failure because it's an impossible standard to reach. You have to be perfect at work, at motherhood, at family life, at friendship, at community involvement. You have to do all of those things and pretend like it takes no effort at all. Right. All the time, all perfectly, and anything less is a failure. Right. So that's not unreasonable. Yeah, right. (laughs) Perfectly reasonable. And for men, she says shame is do not be perceived as weak. Men can feel like they need to be strong, an emotional provider, a rock. Better to be angry or aggressive than vulnerable. So it's a trap for everyone. Right. You just hold it all together outwardly, where inwardly you have a lot more turmoil that is just natural to being a human being. Right, right. No one really has it all together. So if you pretend that you're doing that, then it ultimately will come out in other ways. So what you need to know about shame is that it's natural for humans to feel shame. And if you don't have shame, you are a sociopath. So, you know, (laughs) the alternative, uh, you know, yay if you feel shame, you know, way to not be a sociopath. Yeah, of the two, I would prefer shame to being a sociopath. (laughs) Both are unpleasant, but one is worse. (laughs) And it's comforting to know that you are not alone. Brown also says shame is an epidemic in our culture. So we all experience it, but we feel super uncomfortable talking about it. And she jokes that the quickest way to shut down a chatty person sitting next to her on an airplane is telling them that she studies shame for a living. <laughs> and she's like, and I see you. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like, oh, okay, well, I'm just going to read my book here now. <laughs> right. Yeah, Nice to meet you. <laughs> right. Scientific American reported that women are quicker to feel humiliated than men and teenagers feel shame more intensely than adults do. And as a result, women and teens are more susceptible to the negative effects of shame, such as low self-esteem and depression. Yeah, I've definitely seen this in my own experience, but both as a teenager, of course, and among my friends. I feel like we, compared to like our, our partners and our guy friends, mm-hmm. feel like a lot more ashamed and hard on ourselves than guys do. Yes, I also feel this way. It seems to affect us in a, a sort of a deeper way, or at least we talk about it in those terms. Yeah. In my observation, guys tend to be more comfortable owning who they are and sort of like, oh, this is who I am. Take it or leave it. Whereas women just see the expectations that are out there and in their minds and then feel like they fall short all the time. Right, right. And I feel like among the the guys that I know, they're more likely to see things as, you know, situational, like, oh, you know, I'm going through this thing right now. It's kind of tough and I'm falling short in this area. Less like, 
I as a person am failing. Right, right. And that relates to what we talked about with the uh, learned optimism right. and pessimism with just like the internal permanent and global. Right. <laughs> I feel like women tend to do more than men. Well, why is shame so destructive? Shame is highly, highly correlated with addiction, depression, violence, aggression, bullying, suicide, and eating disorders, says Brene Brown. And research backs that up, of course. And study after study has found that those who suppress negative thoughts and traumas suffer compromised immune systems and physical ailments, while those who write or talk about these things show improvement in their conditions ranging from asthma to HIV. And we will link to some of this research in the show notes. It's really pretty incredible, some of that research, just talking about it or writing about it, you know, painful experiences or those negative thoughts can actually help your mental and physical health. Yeah, people tend to avoid them because it feels painful in the moment and uncomfortable. And so you just like don't even want to go there. And you're like, oh, I don't want to talk about it. But that festers over time. My wise friend Melody says that energy has to go somewhere. And it's so true. You can keep it bottled up and festering or you can release it. That's a really good way of putting it. Yes. There's this great podcast I've been listening to called The Happiness Lab. And it's based on the most popular class ever at Yale. And they – they talk about this research with Holocaust survivors where they are telling their stories in pretty graphic detail and it's it was hard for them to talk about it at the time but then you know a year later so they're physically healthier they're happier they're more free because they've been able to share their story it's really incredible so it is important to talk about these things to bring these shameful thoughts or experiences into the light so how can we free ourselves from shame and brown outlines the three things that shame needs to survive secrecy silence and judgment and she says that empathy is the antidote to shame and the two most powerful words when we're in struggle are me too yeah i mean they spawned a whole movement yes yes i mean it's so powerful to hear that you are not the only one going through something or other people have been through similar experiences yeah it's a comfort and a relief well in an interview with oprah brown outlines the three things you can do to stop a shame spiral number one talk to yourself like you talk to someone you love Two, reach out to someone you trust. And three, tell your story. So sometimes telling someone who's not involved in the situation helps you to see it more objectively, like it's not as awful as it is in your own mind, and also help you work out your thoughts about the situation. It lets you know that you're not alone, that you're not the only person who's felt like this or dealt with a similar situation. And Gretchen Rubin often talks about how she loves her husband's response when someone confesses a mistake. He says, we've all done it. I love that. It's so simple, but very, very comforting. Yes, it's so powerful because it's just like, yes, right there with you. I know what it's like. Right. And it really does kind of lift that burden of shame in that moment. Yes. Well, Brown also talks about how helpful it is to know your shame triggers, which can send you into a shame spiral. And common triggers can be parenthood or family, body image and appearance, money, work, abuse or trauma, and mental and physical health. So the beginning of freeing yourself from shame is the willingness to be vulnerable and put yourself out there at the risk of emotional exposure. Right. And it's hard to do that. You know, being vulnerable is not something most of us are very comfortable with. Even Brene Brown, you know, she talks about in that TED Talk, she talks about the experience of watching her previous TED Talk that went viral. And she has what she calls a vulnerability hangover, thinking like, what if hundreds or thousands of people watch this thing and that I've talked about this emotional experience <laughs> I went through, and then millions of people have now seen this. And yes, it's even for her who she researches this stuff for a living, it's still hard for her to talk about the experiences of shame and vulnerability. 
Yeah, she was worried about not being taken seriously as an academic and professor. And you see from the results, I mean, people just love her. She's changed so many lives. And you can just see that even though it's uncomfortable. And yeah, some people may judge her or think less of her, but that's honestly on them. And that's their own stuff. Right. So it's important also to note that there's a difference between shame and guilt. And so we often use those interchangeably in conversation. But guilt can be a positive motivator while shame never is. Mm -hmm. So Brown says that you can tell the two apart like this. Shame is a focus on self. Guilt is a focus on behavior. Shame is I am bad. Guilt is I did something bad. Guilt, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. Shame, I'm sorry, I am a mistake. Which is a very important distinction. Yes. I mean, what can you do about that being a mistake and permanently? Right. Right. It's kind of a hopeless scenario. So guilt can be a healthy thing if used correctly. You know, it can let us try again to make amends. It can, and it's also protective against the depression, addiction, bullying, and so on that shame correlates with. Mm -hmm. So if we can work on transforming our shame into healthy guilt, it's a much more positive expression of those feelings. Yes, my intention is to morph the shame file into the guilt file. <laughs> that that sounds a little bit better, yes. <laughs> well, and then start deleting items, which yes, of course, which I have. But then I have a secondary list of like the things that I have tried to make amends for that I still need to forgive myself for. <laughs> oh goodness, <Yeah. laughs> I feel like I want to absolve you of all of these things. Oh my gosh! Well, yes. that's a great segue into confession time. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we did grow up Catholics. This is very like <laughs> confession guilt. <laughs> And hopeful absolution afterwards. Yes. Uh, well, we have talked about how we keep a mental list, Jill and I, of the ways we've fallen short of our own high expectations, which I call my list of grievances against myself. And Jill calls her nightly reel, which she has to run through before she can go to sleep. Yes, it's a very important ritual every night. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it's like we're adding thorns all the time to the scourge that we're whipping ourselves with. And we are going to talk about what's been a source of shame for us so we can start taking the thorns one by one off that whip. Yes. And maybe it's like, eventually get rid of the whip <laughs> in this maybe, metaphor. Maybe we, maybe we Marie Kondo the whip and we just get rid of that. <laughs> yeah, right. yes. We don't need to thank it for its service, though. No, no. It's not a spark joy. <laughs> well, I will kick it off. Most of the shame, I feel, is about things that I have done or failed to do and things like organization and money management and etiquette and the traditional lady arts that don't come naturally to me. And I feel like I should, in quotes, know by now. I'm right there with you on all of those things. And the lady arts, like, I mean, I'm probably never going to be great at eyeliner. And do I really care? It's fine. I know. Half of me is like, I really don't care. And half of me is like, I, like, I feel like I should care. I think that's really what it is. Right, right. I should be good at walking in high heels. Oh and I gosh. should be good at makeup. And I'm like, well, made it this far. <laughs> I still don't care. <laughs> Moving to the South has thrown it in my face that I'm not good at these traditional arts because yes. Southern ladies just seem to come, you know, born with like the knowledge of how to do their hair and makeup and clothes. And I'm like, <laughs> eh, I got nothing. I skipped that class. I know. For years, I had roommates who grew up in the South and they were very good at the lady arts. And it's very helpful because they could help me do my hair for a special occasion yes. and school me on all these things. But I never really took it in fully. <laughs> <laughs> Same. So I, I also live in the world of creative ideas and find that I can neglect my physical surroundings. Like I'm working on the podcast or writing and then suddenly I look up and the house isn't clean and the dog isn't walked and the kids are on their tablets. And I'm ashamed also of not putting Reschool Yourself, the project that I did long ago, into the world like I imagined I would and possibly missing my window of opportunity there. 
and also of not managing money well. I'm starting to understand that these things stem from some pretty deep issues of unworthiness, like that I'm not good enough and I don't deserve success and somehow, you know, sabotage it as a result. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's easy to think like these things I should have done and I missed that window of opportunity and now it's closed and it'll never come back when really life isn't like that for the most part, you know? Right. I do believe that like when one door closes, another one opens and it's just like you may find your own path to like the same kind of success or the same kind of accomplishment. It just like may happen in a different way. Right, right. It may be totally different than the way you imagined it or the way you hoped it would go. Mm -hmm. And that's totally okay. It could be much better than you had imagined in the first place. Absolutely, 100%. That's what I'm counting on anyway. (laughs) Yes, that is what I I really do believe that. (laughs) Well, the things that keep me up at night are most of the things on the uh, shame file list are the things that I have done or said that have hurt people, mostly unintentionally. I just feel like I'm kind of a young soul and like I'm like 15 at heart and just kind of like clumsily finding my way through the world like a teenager and often I've just like wanted to connect and it ended up disconnecting so one example is something I just confessed to you Jill after what 12 years or so of carrying it around oh my gosh yes (laughs) which I have no memory of (laughs) so this is just over a whatsapp conversation and planning for this episode and I'm like Jill I have a confession to make remember this time when we were living in San Francisco together and we were shopping at Goodwill for I think it was an ugly sweater party and you tried mm-hmm. one on and you're like, oh, do you like this? And I'm like, no, it's a little bit, you know, flat chesty and big shouldery. And I was like, in my <laughs> mind, just like, oh, we're just girls gabbing, shopping. And then you had the perfect response. You're like, a simple no would have sufficed. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. I seriously do not have any memory of this. And I'm so sad you've been carrying around, like beating yourself up oh over God, it for it was so just long. Like, what a thing to say. Like, it was so like, and I did not, absolutely did not, for the record, mean that that was you, flat chesty and big shoulder. It was just the, the sweater it made you appear so. <laughs> Yes, which so. is a very real risk, you know. I'm I'm not offended by that. That's super funny. Yeah, so I'm really so. glad you absolved me of this, and I feel free. But oh my gosh. Just like a stupid comment that just was like a one-off, off-handed, like thoughtless thing that I probably apologized in the moment for, but then just really have been carrying that I'm sure around. you did, and I immediately forgot it. Right. So... I would have absolved you of it long ago. So I'm glad you shared it with me now. <laughs> and I free. know we all have these things that, you know, people yes. will not remember or it just didn't matter or maybe they're irritated at the time, but then moved on. Right. I mean, it happens often enough that, you know, the people that you love, either you say something careless to them and it hurts their feelings and you apologize in the moment or someone says something to hurt you and you forget about it after a time you know it's not like you've been holding on to it for years and years yes I mean and I have in the past year been more conscious as I've been keeping the shame file of going down the list and just sending an email or a text or over coffee just voicing these things often it comes out and kind of like word vomit because I'm so like awkward <laughs> about it but ultimately it just feels good to get it off my chest and have people see it from my perspective and hear what I was thinking about at the time and usually people have been really understanding Sometimes, like, people haven't responded to my emails, and I'm like, oh, do they not get it? Do they, you know, but still, it helps me whether or not they've received it in the way that I intended, just get it off my own chest. Uh, yeah, exactly. That's all you can do. That's all you can control. And, and it's good that most people have reacted with, you know, understanding and kindness as as we hope. Yeah, and I've, of course, really hard on myself. And I do remind myself that I'm always trying my best under the circumstances and that humans are complicated and they will hurt each other often without meaning to. And I, I do remind myself that I, I have not murdered anyone. So well, there that's you go. good. Good job. 
Way to go. <laughs> right. Gold star for me. Yes. All of these things, you know, mostly best intentions. And sometimes we mess up because we're human. Yes. Well, I have so much compassion for my friends in these kinds of situations. And I have yes. a classic example of this. So a friend of a friend had invited me at one time, this was a few years ago, to go to lunch because she wanted to pick my brain about something. And so within the first few minutes, she said, I'm feeling really distracted right now because I've forgotten my wallet and I was going to treat you. Oh. And I was like, oh, it's no big deal. I'll treat. And she's like, I'm going to pay you back. But the whole time I could tell she was feeling horrible and just her script in her mind was running. And I just really wanted to reach in and just be like, really, it's okay. And I could see myself in that. Like, I could perfectly imagine how I would do the same exact thing. I would do the same thing, of course. And like you on the other end, just want her to like relax and be like, it's actually fine. We've all been there. 100% fine. And she did pay me back and it was totally fine. But she still thinks about it. She'll still like bring it up in sort of jest, you know, but I can tell that it still bothers her. And I'm like, oh, sweetie, like it happens. Like it's totally fine. And so what I did was I created a meme. There's this, I don't even know what movie it is, but Anthony Hopkins is this priest and he has this crucifix in the shot. And I wrote, I absolve you, my child. And I I texted it to her and I was saved it on my phone because I need to do that for myself is look at it when I'm feeling bad. Like I absolve you. I I know. I'm going to start sending it back to you because (laughs) you sent it to me as well. We'll share it in the show notes. It's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Send it to your friends. Look at it yourself. Yes. It's much, much easier, though, to be compassionate for other people. And when we're in the same situations, we're often very mean to ourselves. Well, it's really helped me talk about my get it togethers on the podcast and write about what I feel are my shortcomings on our Instagram. And it just reminds me that we're all part of the same imperfect human family. Absolutely. I mean, we all do these kinds of things and it, it's reassuring that no one's perfect. We're, we're trying as best we can for the most part. Yeah. My goal is to have nothing to hide, just to be an open book and have it yes. all be okay. That is a very good goal. Well, two quotes that have helped me on this path. One was in an interview that Elizabeth Gilbert did with Marie Kondo, which you shared with me, Jill, and I love it. And the quote from Elizabeth Gilbert is, I think that the more honest I am about my journey, the more connected I feel to everybody and their journeys. The more I reveal that seems really vulnerable and really private, the less private it becomes, because all I hear is a chorus of voices saying, me too, me too. I love that. That is so, so so beautiful. And so true. Yes. And every time I have put something out there that I feel like is too much of a downer or too vulnerable, or I will have this vulnerability hangover that Brene Brown talks about, people have responded to those the most. Absolutely. That's something that we talk about often is those things that we're kind of hesitant to share or, you know, feel like it's yeah, too much of a Debbie Downer or too, too vulnerable. Um, those are the things that people connect with because other people have those same kind of experiences. Yeah, it gives voice a lot of the time to things that people have had kind of in the back of their mind and then they haven't been had words for. And that's so powerful, that framing. And also just to be able to release yourself of it and be like, oh God, I'm not the only one. Absolutely. And I really admire writers and artists like Elizabeth Gilbert who who do share those things so openly because it gives other people that space to voice their own stories. Right. Well, another quote that I love that helps me be vulnerable is by Andy Warhol, who said, sometimes people let the same problem make them miserable for years when they could just say, so what? That's one of my favorite things to say. So what? That's amazing. I know. It's, it's and just I so do, simple. I know. I think about this a lot. You know, like if someone looks at my kid and is like, oh, his hair's not combed, you know, so what? <laughs> right. Right. So what? And does it really matter? Right. Yeah. That's very freeing. I know. 
Well, Jill, I have made my confession to you. <laughs> I absolve you, my child. <laughs> Thank you. Would you like to confess to me? Yes, I would love to confess as well. It's very cleansing for all of us. <laughs> it sure is. And it has really helped, as we've talked about, to share on the podcast and these things that seem really personal. And later I'm like, oh, gosh, am I going to regret talking about this on the podcast? Mm-hmm. But so far it has been very cleansing. And I think it's helped me kind of see these things that usually just rattle around in my head. Yeah. And then the evidence is there that like nothing happened. The world didn't end. You know, right. still here kept spinning yes so for me most of my shame triggers fall into the you're not good enough category which is pretty big yes yeah, super fun it's all inclusive <laughs> covers a lot of ground so sometimes it's little things that add up you know similar to what you were saying making a mistake or saying something that's awkward or wrong or unintentionally thoughtless so that's usually the stuff that kind of goes into my nightly reel mm-hmm. just the ways i i may have hurt someone or said something stupid and just feeling, you know, bad or inconsiderate or stupid or whatever those things are that shame kind of whispers in your ear Mm -hmm. instead of being like, okay, well, we're all human. We make mistakes. I can try to apologize if necessary, try to be better the next time. And some of those things, like I had a friend who ghosted me years ago Mm -hmm. and I never really got the story why, Um, which at the time I was, you know, hurt and kind of angry and I never really knew what the deal was and now I wish I just addressed it then Mm, because it still yeah it still like haunts me like I I pretty sure from what I gathered it was from something I said but I don't know Mm. what it was Mm. and so I never knew how to make amends and it still really bothers me yeah that's hard is it something you'd want to reach out now or do you think that ship has sailed I don't know. I'm on the fence about it. I go back and forth. So maybe it would make me feel better and just kind of clear the air. Yeah, whether or not it's repaired or it's rekindled is maybe getting some answers. Yeah, maybe just kind of getting getting that out of my brain. Because I do feel bad. Like, I, I always want to know if I've hurt someone's feelings so I can apologize. Yeah, and I know you wouldn't have meant it. I mean, you've got such a good heart. And Thank you. Often these things are just unintentional. Right, right. Because it's, you know, someone I cared about and I would never have intentionally hurt her well and often some of this stuff is their stuff right just like triggered someone in a way that you didn't intend and you had no idea right and it's just kind of too bad that we didn't address it at the time and Mm -hmm. it's just become this thing so it's something i'm trying to learn from whether i address it or whether i just kind of take that forward and you know some of the bigger shame triggers are why haven't i done more with my life why have i failed in this way who do you think you are trying to do this thing some of those big ones that pop up every now and then that i'm really trying to address because they're awful and yeah, I know. not helpful well, and i think of mindy kaling's book why not me i love that <laughs> i try to think of that often because she is my hero and <laughs> it's such I a great question so to ask like yes. why not why not me So there's some of those things. There's body appearance issues that I think a lot of people, women in particular, struggle with. Mm -hmm. And then just in general, not being as far along as I think I should be, you know, Mm -hmm. reaching goals, stuff in my professional life or money and savings or owning a home or speaking Spanish well enough while living in Spain or just comparing myself to, to others or just kind of the expectations I set for myself at whatever point. Right. Well, and then anyone else who would look at that, it was like, a lot of people will never speak another language. They'll never live in a foreign country, you know, (laughs) like not have a lifestyle where you wouldn't need to own a home. So objectively, for someone else looking at that, it just is like, oh, this is amazing. But then in your own mind, it's falling short of the, the should. 
Right. And like the arbitrary expectation that I've set for myself. And I have friends who share these kinds of things with me about their own lives and their own, you know, feeling like they're falling short of their own expectations or other people's expectations. And I say the same thing to them that you just said to me, you know, like, outwardly, that's not what anyone else is thinking. But it's hard to look yourself in the mirror and do the same. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a funhouse mirror. Yeah, it is. It can be distorted. And I and I do think that talking about these things on the podcast, writing about personal development stuff, it really does help because you start to see things a little bit more objectively and that no one really does have it all together as we talk about a lot. So, mm-hmm. you know, that perfect Pinterest clean organized home and finishing all those house and work projects on time. And this is not usually what we're all doing. Oh, yeah. I mean, our good friend is a therapist. And she says that she's just learned from talking to people who have money and success and all these outward things that there's baggage there. And there are secrets that they don't share with anybody. And everyone has you know, their suitcase of things that they're carrying around with them. It's true. And like everyone's situation is different. And, and again, like I'm very grateful because I've been very fortunate, very privileged. I have a lot of the things I want in my life. So it's, I'm trying not to get caught in these shame spirals that really don't do me any good. Yeah. So my shame file is very diversified. Um, <laughs> have lots of things going on. It is the spice of life. <laughs> yes, it's a cornucopia of things to feel bad about. <laughs> Well, I hope this has been cleansing for you all as well to hear our confessions and hear you're not alone. I imagine that you share some of these things. And for our listener takeaways, we wanted to share five steps that you can take to be more resilient to shame. You might not follow all of them in every situation, but they will give you a roadmap that you can adapt in different scenarios. For example, you might prefer writing things out uh, versus talking them out to process them and both have therapeutic effects. So see what works for you. So step one is write your own shame file. Make a private list of the things that keep you up at night. The first step to freeing yourself of them is to acknowledge that they exist. Step two is for each item on the list, practice talking to yourself the way you would to someone you love. If you wouldn't say you're such an idiot to your best friend or your partner or your child, do not say it to yourself. Work on being as compassionate and forgiving to yourself as you are to your loved ones. Step three is reach out to someone you trust and tell your story. Remember that shame needs secrecy, silence, and judgment to survive, so don't give it what it needs. Step four, work on shifting your shame into healthy guilt so you can do something about it. If your shame involves someone else, what can you do to make amends? Sometimes it's a simple conversation and a sincere apology. And step five is do that thing and then let it go. Physically delete it from your shame file in spite of how the other person may react. Whew. Oh. Deep breath. (laughs) I know. How do you feel? I do feel better, honestly. Good. (laughs) How about you? Yeah, I do. I do. I it's it's always hard to talk about these things. And already, not that I have a vulnerability hangover right now, but Mm -hmm. I'm already kind of going through in my mind, like, did I say anything that I regret? (laughs) Trying to practice what I preach. (laughs) Right. So what? (laughs) So what? Yes. I highly recommend anything by Brene Brown. She is incredible. She's amazing. Well, now it's time for Get It Together, Got It Together, a segment where we share something that's going well for us right now and something we'd like to work on. So Jill, why don't you go first? All right. So my Get It Together is not going to the gym as much as I want to. I had a very ambitious item on my 19 for 2019 list. I had written down that I wanted to go to the gym 12 times a month. So that's three times a week? Yes. Which is a lot. Um, (laughs) I know some people do this effortlessly. Right, or like every day and, you know, but. Yeah. So 
I have not succeeded in doing that at all. <laughs> um, I scaled it back to like eight times a month, so twice a week. Mm-hmm. And that sometimes I, I reach that, but it hasn't been consistent every single week. So, mm-hmm. And you walk a lot being in a yes. city. Yes, exactly. I don't have a car. So I do try to make my step goal on my Fitbit every day. I don't always meet that. But in general, you know, I do walk. So I try to be active. But making it to the gym to go to Zumba classes or go to Pilates or an aqua class, something like that is something I really want to do. And I feel better when I do. But with work and travel and visitors and other things, um, it doesn't always happen. So I did try yoga this month, which was big for me. Oh, awesome. Well, you tried, yeah. well you've, you've done yoga before. You may I have tried done it yoga Spain. before. Yes. The first time in Spain. Um, it's the first time in Spanish. Mm. But then also, it's been a long time. You know, I, I went with mom when I was home visiting Sonoma this past year, mm-hmm. which was really nice. It's very meditative, good stretching. But I have to give a shout out to one of our Instagram followers, Georgie MC, who mm-hmm. followed up with me because I had, we had had a comment thread about things that we do every day that make us feel happy or healthy. And she likes yoga. And I'd said, oh, yeah, I'd like to give it another shot. And she kept following up with me and asking if I'd been yet, oh, which I really nice. appreciated. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so shout out for you know keeping me accountable. Um, <laughs> so I did go to a class and it really did feel nice to, to stretch and use muscles I'm not used to. And a good friend of mine who has been traveling quite a bit is back in town and she goes to the same gym. So I think that'll help me have a, a buddy to go to classes with. Yeah. Back when I lived in San Francisco, I used to meet our friend Carol. Like I would pick her up. And so that would hold her accountable, hold me accountable. Oh, nice. And it was really, and it was fun to go together. It is. It's nice to have someone to go with. So this week I'm definitely going to Zumba again on Friday. And then I have a couple others that I'm trying to set aside time for, but it hasn't been as consistent as I'd like. So I'm working on that. Mm-hmm. My got it together is I got a haircut last week. So oh, that was nice. exciting. Yeah. Did you do anything uh, different with it? Um, it's just a little shorter than it has been. It's mm-hmm. like, I guess, kind of a, a long bob, just mm-hmm. a little bit past my shoulders. But it was pretty long. So she probably cut off, I don't know, four inches, three or four inches. Mm-hmm. But I only get my hair cut two or three times a year. Yeah, same. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, I always intend to do it more frequently, but... I put off making the appointment or I don't feel like paying for it or Mm -hmm. whatever it is. But I'm in a Facebook group here in Barcelona and there's a student at one of the hairstylist school here who posted that she needed a hair model for an exam on a specific morning. Yeah. And so it was just, she just needed to make like a straight cut and she said, you know, it didn't have to be too much cut off. And I was like, all right, I'm Mm -hmm. free that morning. It's a concrete thing that I can (laughs) do. I don't have to make the appointment. It's already set. So I volunteered and it turned out really great. Awesome. She gave me a cut that I really like. I decided I'd go a little shorter than it's been because I cut my hair so infrequently mm-hmm. <laughs> so it can grow out. And it was free. She was really nice and it, it helped her out. So it felt like a an all around win. Oh, that's really great. Yeah. So what about you, Malia? What are your get it together and got it together? Well, my get it together is not having a good system for processing our paper clutter in our house. We have a mail station in our kitchen that's always overwhelmed by a stack of miscellaneous papers. Like, Darren checks the mail on his way in, and he's always managing stuff and Evan, and so he just sets it down. Therefore, we have, like, bills to be paid, handouts from school, spring baseball pictures, like, all in a stack. And it takes a ton of effort to go through them because each one is a little decision and a different type of decision and action. Oh, and it's yeah. sometimes unclear. Like, what do you do with extra baseball photos or extra school photos? You know? Right. Do I need them? Yeah. <laughs> and I do I like not getting them? <laughs> do I file handouts on the child development that I get from the doctor, you know, for reference? Or do I recycle them? And it's easier just to leave it in the stack. And I heard the expression, clutter is a pile of unmade decisions. Oh, <laughs> that is, is very true. true. 
And so then the stack gives me anxiety because it's just all these things that I know I need to do eventually. And it would be good to just sit down and tackle it and not let it accumulate again. But we just need a, a process for going through the incoming papers every day or setting a certain time each week to process. Yes, I, we have the same problem. It's we have like a box near our front door that mm-hmm. it just accumulates those things. And we don't even get that much mail. But you know, it's bills to file or is this junk mail? Is this not? And I like the idea of having, you know, every Friday or something, setting aside 30 minutes to deal with it. Yeah, do like a power hour. Yeah. It's... Yeah, I, and I wish the schools would stop sending home so many handouts. <laughs> like, it's just it's like homework for parents. I know. Just like, what do I do with this stuff? Basta. Oh, the poor trees. I know. Well, my got it together is continuing to KonMari the house. That's so, awesome. Yes, we have, even though we have this paper clutter, we have also each weekend or, you know, every other weekend focused on a certain area of the house to process and organize. So we cleaned out the kids' closet, which just had a bunch of old clothes they'd outgrown and toys they didn't play with. And we gave a whole trunk full of stuff to Goodwill, which felt great. That's great. Oh, yes. that's awesome. It, it, like, it's so freeing. Like, it physically it really feels freeing. Like a weight has been lifted. Yes. And then it's nice that people can use, I mean, it's not like bad stuff. It was all like good quality. We just didn't need it anymore. And Goodwill is a great organization because they do job training for folks who have trouble getting jobs. So that felt good. And we organized a set of shelves in our kitchen that we engaged with all the time, but it was super cluttery, just like a mishmash of stuff. And now mm. it is fixed. I open wow. it and yeah, it's like permanently fixed, just like our That's huge. junk store. Wow. I have so many shelves like that in our kitchen. That's very inspiring. Yeah. And it just, honestly, it took 30 minutes, if that. So it's just about clearing out everything else and centering on that one activity until it's done. And so we've also been cleaning and tidying more regularly around the house, just picking up at the end of the day. So we don't have such a heavy lift on weekends. And it feels good. I feel calmer. Outer order, inner calm. (laughs) That's really amazing. I'm very impressed with you. I'd like to take some of that inspiration and (laughs) put it into work in our own apartment. Well, hopefully we can keep the habit going. (laughs) Yes, you're doing very well. It's been the whole year thing. So bravo. Thank you. Yeah, it's one of the things that has happened in 2019. We're on our way. I know. Good (laughs) job. It's been a good year. It has. Well, that is all for this episode of Semi Together. You can find show notes at semitogether.com with a recap of this episode and links to the resources we mentioned. What's in the shame file that keeps you up at night? We are happy to lend a sympathetic ear and help you delete items from that file. Email us at podcast at semitogether.com or send us a voice memo. You can also leave a comment on our latest Instagram post or our Facebook page at semitogether. And if you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. If the podcast has helped you feel less alone and more understood, why not share it with someone else? Thanks for listening to Semi Together. And take it from us, you have it more together than you think you do. And a short clip from Oprah's life class on how to stop a. And a short clip from Oprah's life class on how to. God, this is a very tongue twister. (laughs) This is a tongue twister for sure. Gave you the hard one.